Well, let's jump into the teaching uh, for today. We're in week three of what would Jesus actually do. And what we're going to do is look at a passage. This passage is a little bit larger. We're going to look at, we're still in chapter one. We're going to look at verses 29 uh, through 51. If you don't have a Bible, if you are newer here and you've been coming, you're like, every week they talk about opening up the Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. We have free Bibles at our welcome center. You just go out there, tell them that you need a Bible and they would love to be able to give that to you. Also, there's the whole um, you version. It's free. You know, go to your app on your phone, uh, your app store, and download the version Bible app. That's another amazing app. <clears throat> so, and why do we say this? Because Christ followers read the Bible. We are called to read the Bible, not just on Mondays. We are called uh, to read the Bibles on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Friday, right? Every day we're called to read the Bible. So that's why everybody needs a Bible of their own. But last week I reminded you that we are also called to memorize Scripture. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus committed to memory Old Testament Scripture. And then he would quote it. And we need to practice the way of Jesus by memorizing Scripture. So here we go. I told you we're going to memorize Scripture throughout this whole series. Um, Today we're going to quote uh, John 1, 12... And then John 1, verse 14. We'll do verse 12. I gave you the option, you know, if two verses, you know, if you're new at this, you know, the two verses may be overwhelming, but you can do one, right? So maybe you chose verse number 12. On three, I'm going to count. We're going to repeat this together. Um, I am going to have some of the words on the screen if you need a help. Are you ready? On one, two, and three. Um, John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them... Oh, we messed up, didn't we? Okay, listen, you guys know this. We, you guys know this first. This is, um, it's John 1, 12. We're going to start over. John 1, 12. Let's say it together on three. One, two, three. But to all who did receive him. To, yes. To those who believe. Good job. So that's John 1.12. Let's try uh, John 1.14, right? For those of you, see, that's what happened. That, it's going to get louder on John 1.14 because most of you memorized that one, didn't you? Okay, so here we go. Here's John 1.14. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. We, re- oh, we observed his glory. That's right. We observed his glory. The glory as of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Good job, good job. See, we got to keep on memorizing this. I know um, in your car, you need to memorize the scripture, right? While you're driving, memorize the scripture. It's going to be helpful. We're going to look at verses uh, 29 through 51. Again, we're not going to be able to hit every verse. Um, We don't have that much time. But here's the big idea. The big idea is this, that our life reflects what we really want. And what we really want is reflected in our actions. Now, you know this is a, a true statement. So many of us, we live by this. So many of you know that this is true in your life because you really wanted that job. And because you really wanted that job, you made sure that you had the training. You went and got the training, the skills, or the degree that you needed so that you could pursue that job. Now, that doesn't mean once you got the job, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't want this job. But you, but you did, right? Your actions reflected what you thought you really wanted. You saw her, didn't you? 
guys, come on. You saw her, husbands. You saw her sitting over there. She was in that booth at the Pizza Hut on 44, and there she was. And you're like, oh my gosh, I just don't like her for a friend. I think I'm in love with her. I better start pursuing her. And I pursued her, and 35 years later, right, here we are, still married, and four kids, and we love each other. Can you believe that? So, um, but that's what I really wanted, and, and, that, and my actions reflected that. So we know that's true. We also know this is true. Man, we want to look buff. We, we're going to be, so we're going to go to the gym every morning. You know, we're going to be in there at 530, right? And, but our, that's what we say we really want. But our actions are more like, uh, one more episode, right? Just one more. Get up an hour early. Are you crazy? Right? I'm not doing that. See, our actions actually reflect what we really want, and that's what, in, in this passage, this is exactly what we're going to see. Our actions reflect what we really want. And we know this is true being a dad. You know, you can't just say, you, you, can, you just can't say, I want to be a good dad. You need to put action to that. You need to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to leave work at home, I mean at work, work at work, right, and come home and be present with the kids, you need to be present in their life. That's your action showing that you really do want to be a good dad. That's your, this is just so true. This is a principle that so many of us live by. But it's so hard to do so many times. And you know what? The same thing is true in our spiritual life. What do you really want in your spiritual life, because do, what we, uh, do you really want a life that reflects Jesus? Now, we can sit around all day long and say, oh, yes, I really want to be like Jesus. But it's not going to just kind of happen. It's going to happen because you're practicing to be like Jesus. It's going to happen because you're getting up an hour earlier. It's going to happen because you're reading the Bible. It's going to happen because you're memorizing scripture. It's going to happen because your actions are going to start reflecting that. And in order for you to actually know what Jesus actually looks like, you've, we've got to be in the scriptures. We have to be reading the Bible. You have to look at the scriptures and see the way that Jesus lived his life and then ask ourselves, oh God, help me to align my life to look like yours or surrender my life. We sing that song, I surrender all, right? I surrender all. God, help me to surrender what I need to surrender so I can look more like you. And this is hard work. It's not easy. And as we jump in into verse 29, we're introduced to what a lot of people in church world know as John the Baptist. It doesn't mean that he was Baptist. I know some of our, I grew up in Baptist world, right? And they're like, yeah, even John was Baptist, right? They'd always point that out. That's really not true. What's true is um, it, that a more correct way to say this is John the Baptizer. He was, he was identified as the one who was re-baptizing, that he was a baptizer. Um, he, he had this call on his life. He was six months older than Jesus. He was related to Jesus. 
But he had this very clear call on his life, and that was God had given him this message to preach, repent of your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What that means is he was looking at the Jewish people and saying, we aren't following the way of God anymore. You need to repent. You need to uh, turn. You need to change the way that you're living and follow after God. And to show that, I'm going to baptize you. And so he started baptizing all these uh, Jewish people or anybody actually who would come to him. He would baptize them if they said, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to follow God. I'm going to repent and turn and follow and walk towards Jesus and walk in the way of Jesus. Now, at this beginning point, he, John didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah. And we'll get into more of that in a second. So don't be confused. Hey, the reason I'm talking about this, some of you don't know who John the baptizer was. And so this is who he is. He's out making, he was a prophesied about in the Old Testament that he'd be the forerunner of the Messiah. Even though John didn't know who it was at the time that he's out there preaching this message. As he's preaching this message, John the Apostle is the one who's writing this. So don't get confused between the Johns. So the next day, John the baptizer saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, if you're in the Jewish audience here hearing this, they're still practicing the sacrificial system of offering a lamb once a year in the Holy of Holies. For the forgiveness of sin. And here, John the baptizer sees Jesus and says, there he is. That is the Lamb of God. And all the Jewish people are like, oh my gosh, he's talking about, like, he's the one. He's like the perfect one. He is the Messiah. That's what he's doing here. So, next verse. This is the one, this is John the baptizer talking. John the apostle was an eyewitness. He's like, he's there. He's writing this down. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. You see what John the baptizer says? He like leans into what John the the apostle has already taught us. Now, biologically, Jesus is actually younger. So John the baptizer existed biologically before uh, Jesus did. But here he says, he's acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah. Even though I'm older, he had already existed, right? We talked about that in week one. He said, John the baptizer says, I didn't know him. Well, hold it. What do you mean you didn't know him? He's part of your family. Yeah, he, they were related. But he, he's not, he's saying, I didn't know. I knew who Jesus was, but until the sign came, I didn't know that he was the Messiah. That's what he's saying. I didn't know um, him, but I came baptizing with water so that he, the Messiah, might be revealed to Israel. Why would he say that? Because he was given a very clear command. He was like, as uh, John, from God, John, as you uh, are baptizing people, you're going to know who the Messiah is because before you even know it, before you know who the Messiah is, there's going to be a sign I'm going to give you and then you're going to really know that that is the Messiah. That's what, that's what he's talking about. So John testified. So now John is testifying. He says, I saw the sign. I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he rested on 
him. That's why John the baptizer could look and say, that really is the Messiah, because that's the one who uh, had the sign. I was there when I was baptizing. That's really him. I saw the sign. Now, he uses um, the sign of the dove, because in the Jewish audience, this was a common theme from the Old Testament, that the Spirit of the Holy Spirit of God was uh, symbolized as a dove. And in fact, in some of the uh, rabbis' literature, as they would talk about uh, the creation story in Genesis, and it would say, um, it, it, like before God created the world with form, right? Um, it was the Spirit of God. In Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering, the rabbis would say, like a dove over the water. So this is why um, this symbolism of a dove is there. And John is saying, I saw the dove, the spirit of God rest on him and it looked like a dove. I didn't know him. Again, John is saying, I didn't know that Jesus, you know, my relative was like the Messiah. But he, God, God who sent me to baptize with water, told me the one you see the spirit descending and resting on. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, meaning he's the Messiah. And that's why John says, I have seen and testified. That this is the Son of God. So John the baptizer is saying, I've seen it with my own eyes. I testify that, it, that, that Jesus from Nazareth really is the Messiah because he has met all the requirements and how God had showed me that he was going to be this. Now, we see, let's just step back for a second and notice Jesus gets baptized, let's think big picture, to be identified. Jesus gets baptized for identification. Identification to John the baptizer, but identification to all of the Jewish people. There's also another a reason he gets baptized here. It's to identify with his people. Jesus didn't need to repent. John the baptizer was baptizing people who were repenting of their sins and turning towards God. Jesus didn't need to repent of any sin. He was the perfect lamb of God. He was offered as a sacrifice. John the baptizer already said that. Why did he do this? So that he could be identified. It was all about identification. I wonder about us. Have you been baptized to be identified as a Christ follower? Luke sheds a little more light on the story of Jesus' baptism. Let's read about it. It says, When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And as he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus hasn't done one miracle Jesus hasn't stood before a crowd of thousands or hundreds and, and t taught anything yet. Jesus was just living in fellowship with his father. And before he does anything, God the father looks down from heaven and says, Sure, this is my son and I'm just pleased with him. We don't earn God's favor. God just pours it out on us. 
even through his son. So here um, in Luke, this historian, he's gathered all these um, eyewitness accounts to put this story together. He pieced it together for us. But what Matthew does, Matthew was there. Matthew's like an eyewitness. And so we see yet another piece of the story in Matthew. Matthew gives us this account of the baptism of Jesus. John tried to talk him out of it. John tried to talk Jesus out of it by saying this. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And John the baptizer said, so, so why are you uh, coming to me? But watch what Jesus says. Jesus said to John the baptizer, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed and baptized him. Do you see what Jesus is doing there? Jesus is submitting. He is surrendering to the will of God and what God's will was for Jesus' life. That's what he's acknowledging here. So we, what we see is Jesus gets baptized to show obedience to God the Father. He's showing obedience to God the Father. When we think about baptism... Have we shown our obedience to God the Father by being baptized? The very word baptize just simply means to dip or to immerse. That's the way. And that was the practice of John the baptizer. He would dip them. He would immerse them into water and then bring them out. Now, this was already a part of their Jewish culture and their mikvahs that they would have for ritual uh, purification. They would dip into like this, think of a little tiny, you know, sauna whirlpool, and they would just dip themselves in there and then bring themselves out. That was already a part of their religious tradition. But John the baptizer says, no, you need to get baptized to show that you're committed to following uh, Jesus. Now, let's think about this idea as Jesus, from Jesus' very words and the, and the first church and how they practiced this idea of baptism. Jesus' um, last words to at least the 11 disciples, probably more were around there. But in Matthew 28, we see that he says, go and make disciples. That's like go and share the good news that I'm really the Messiah to put your faith and trust in me as the forgiveness of sins because that the cross, the cross really is about forgiveness. The cross is so that you and I do not have to carry around the weight of our sin. I hope that you'll hear that. You do not have to carry the weight, the guilt, and the shame of any of your sin. You come to Jesus and you, you ask Jesus for that forgiveness. And then you receive him. You say, Jesus, I believe this is what you have done for me. Thank you for taking my shame and my guilt. You, you, you do not have to carry that. And that's what make a disciple means. But then he says, baptize them. Now, notice it's for all people, not just Jewish people. It's for every person. This is why we're so big on missions around here and global missions, global partners. Because we really do believe we want to be a church that's a part of a global movement of bringing people to Jesus. But then he says, after, like, after they make that decision, then you need to baptize them. You need to dip them or immerse them in water so that they are making this public commitment to follow me. And you baptize them in the name of the Father of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, fast forward a little bit. 
to the early church. The early church is just getting started. Peter's like preaching his heart out. There's literally a crowd of a a few thousand that he's preaching to. And what's his message? His message is this in Acts chapter 2 and verse his message is repent and be baptized each, uh, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's so important not to read this verse as a formula like A plus B equals C. That's not how this is meant to read. Don't forget, John the baptizer was baptizing after a person was admitting that they were a sinner and that they, were walk, they had walked away from God and they need to walk back towards God. So he would baptize them for them to show that. That's essentially what Peter, this is the message that Peter was hearing, that Peter had heard. And so what does Peter do? He carries on this practice here in the very first church. And they are, they're calling people, hey, have you, have you repented of your sins? Have you, meaning, have you acknowledged that it's in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, that Jesus is really the Messiah, that's Christ? Um, Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah? If you have done that, then what you need to do is to be baptized. And this will show that you have repented of your sins, and this will show that you actually have the Holy Spirit in your life. See, this was a practice. We know this continued. Philip, Philip, um, we don't know how much later, but Philip comes across because you know what? He was like some of you. Philip was like some of you. God, show me one person that I can share with and tell them that they matter, right? And he's, he's asking God, show me that one person. And guess what? God does that. God actually shows him somebody who's in a chariot. He was from Ethiopia um, and he was a, a eunuch. He actually had a place of power. And there in that place, um, Philip uh, goes up to this chariot and he like looks in the window and he knocks on the door and the dude is like open the door and he's like yeah and then he wasn't for hijack carjacking or chariot jacking right in this chariot what he does is he's like do you understand what you're reading and the Ethiopian eunuch says how can I unless somebody explains it to me and guess what he had a scroll open to the place of Isaiah talking about the Messiah And Philip is like, I know all about the Messiah. I was an eyewitness of the Messiah. Let me tell you about the Messiah and shares Jesus with them. How do we know that? Um, Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture where he was actually at. And as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? This was just like the natural response of these believers who are putting their faith in Jesus. Their very first step of obedience was baptism. And here you see that they ordered the the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water so he could be dipped or immersed. And then he baptized him. It's the practice. It's the Jesus way. And here at Hope Church, that's the way we baptize, is by immersion or dipping into the water. So the reasons for baptism is this. One, it's out of obedience to the Father. We saw Jesus modeled that, right? And he's calling us. Actually, the very words of God the Father through his Son was become a disciple and then get baptized. That's the very 
next step after coming to Jesus. So it's about obedience. Or as we sang that song a little bit earlier, it's about surrender. Are you really willing to surrender your life in obedience to God the Father? It's a public identification as a Christ follower. You are publicly saying, I am a Christ follower. And I'm not ashamed about that. I I will get baptized no matter how scary water is. And listen, some of you have had some life experiences with water that makes you very scared. Here's our experience here is that every person who has come and that we have baptized that has had some kind of traumatic experience around water, God has given them just what they need, just the peace that they need in order to be baptized in this public way. It's a public commitment. You're like saying, I will commit. I am publicly declaring that I will follow Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit helping me. So baptism, and it's practicing the way of Jesus. It's what Jesus did. It was the expectation. And so the question for you and I is this. Have you been baptized after you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Now, I say that because in the Scripture, that's what it was always about. It was always after somebody had the intellect to acknowledge Jesus as Savior. And when they confessed with their mouth, Jesus then They were baptized. We have baptized hundreds of folks here who were baptized as babies. That did not take away from the meaning that that had for that family. And, we, and when we baptize somebody here that has been baptized as an infant, it, it's not uh, you know, taking away something from that experience for the family. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, we um, call it Believer's baptism, to make it more clear here, because it's after a person has declared their faith that they get baptized. So if the question is for you is, have you been baptized after you accepted Jesus as your Savior? If you haven't, then your very first next step is right there on that connection card. (laughs) Well, actually, it's in your bulletin, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab the connection card out of the chair in front of you. Will you pull that out, please? Um, And I want you to see this very first next step. The very first next step says, I want my life to reflect Jesus' life and need to be baptized. Sign me up to be baptized Next Sunday. Yep, you heard it right. We're talking about next Sunday. We're going to do something that we don't typically do here. Usually we have, you know, people go to this class. We want to make sure. But I've never taken this much time to explain baptism. And we've been in the previous two weeks, all we've done is talk about who Jesus is. So you've got a pretty clear picture. Let me back up and say you should have a clear enough picture of who Jesus is and what it means to be baptized. So we're asking you to make a commitment right now. That you would get baptized. That you would let us know and that you'd get baptized next Sunday. And we're committed to this that if it takes us 30 minutes to baptize people, we will, we will take 30 minutes and, and baptize people. Um, because we want you to take your very next step in the obedience to Christ 
and be baptized. But we have to know so that we can prepare accordingly. So on that connection card, please make sure that your name is very clearly printed on there with a very clear phone number. And this week on Tuesday, we will be calling you and we will um, let you know um, all the details, make sure that we're all on the same page and everything that you need to have for next Sunday. So what you do with this connection card is put it in our offering boxes. If you're in South County, we're inviting you up. If your next step is to be baptized or if you're watching online and you couldn't be here in person, we are asking you uh, to let us know uh, through that connection card. It will be sent to the office and then we'll reach out to you this week. And we need, we want you. We can't baptize you online, right? <laughs> uh, but we can baptize you when you're here in person. So come in person. We'll baptize you. And man, I'm telling you, you will be taking that very next step of obedience to Jesus. Now, I am out of time, but we're not out of scripture. So we're going to cover a couple more scriptures. When Jesus' disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. That means when they heard what? Verse 29. Oh, look, behold, the Lamb of God. There he is. There's the Messiah. And, the, and again, this is Andrew. We know this is Andrew. The scripture is going to tell us that in a second. The other person is unidentified, but most think it's really the apostle John. That Andrew and John were actually disciples of John the baptizer. And they were following John the baptizer until they were introduced into Jesus, the Messiah. But look what happens. Jesus, look, those two disciples, they were... They were following Jesus, and they looked around, and they saw, they, uh, Jesus saw these two disciples, like, walking behind him. So, you know, it, it, he was like, they were stalking Jesus, think like that, right, on that dusty road. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns around, and he says to you, he says to them, what do you want? That's a heart-piercing question. I mean, think, think about Jesus looking at you right in the eye, saying, what do you want? From me. What is it that you want from me? And they give him a title of respect and honor. They call him rabbi. And then they say, where are you staying? Basically, we just want to stay with you. We want to remain with you. We want to abide with you so that we can learn more. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus, is, he opens the door wide open. He's like, come on, come and see this is their first interaction. And Jesus is like, come, let's go abide with each other. Let's remain with each other. And they end up spending the night. They go back. Andrew goes back and gets his brother who hasn't met Jesus yet. His name was Simon. Jesus changes to Peter. And, um, and so that happens. And Andrew went to find his brother, told uh, Simon, we have found the Messiah. Why? Andrew, this wasn't like, uh, you know, just all of a sudden thing. This is something they had been talking about. Andrew was already following John the baptizer, heard about the Messiah coming. Right? Conversations were already happening. And now Andrew goes and grabs Peter and says, you got to, we found him. You know, we, when we were talking last week about the Messiah, well, this is him, Peter. You got you to see this. And so Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looking intently at Simon, Jesus Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the rest is history. And we know how God used Peter in his life. Philip, another disciple, you know, another one of these around this. Philip was from Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda and said, 
um, t- uh, he didn't say anything. Andrew and Peter's hometown. That's what, that's what happened. But now Philip's going to say something. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, it didn't go quite as smoothly for Nathaniel. He had some pushback. He didn't like people from Nazareth. But the result was when he came and saw, because he had the same invitation, come and see, just come and see it. And when they came and saw it, changed Nathaniel's whole opinion, his whole perspective. And here's what Jesus would tell that group of men in verse 51. He would say, truly, truly, meaning this is the truth. He says, you will see. And I'm telling you that if you will come and see you will see that Jesus really is the Messiah. That he still, he still is at work. And he wants to work in your life. If you'll invite him to come and see. Oh, how we need to live a life that would be one of invitation. One of come and see. Let me tell you what Jesus done in my life. And let's see what he can do in your life. And that's why the second next step says this. It says, I want my life to reflect more of Jesus by living an invitational life of come and see. So here's what you're going to do. Over the next um, seven days, you're going to pray um, that God's going to give you one person. That's why these You Matter cards are on the chairs around you. Maybe you're sitting on it. Um, Wherever, wherever it is, um, just grab, grab that You Matter card and take it home with you. Will you do that? And will you pray in this way? Will you pray, God, will you show me one person today? What if you prayed that and God gives you somebody, uh, one person for the next seven days? That's seven people. And this, what an easy way to start a conversation. Just to say, hey, I just want you to know that you matter to God and that you matter to me. And just see what happens with a simple You Matter card. But maybe uh, that will open the door for you to actually share your story. And for you to say, oh, come and see. This is what he did in my life. But come and see what he can do in your life as Messiah. I want to pray for us that we'll be a church like this. Jesus, we want to be a church that reflects you. We want to be a church that points others to you. We want to live an invitational come and see kind of life. So I pray for everyone. I pray for everyone who's gathered here today that we would live in that way. Please, we need your help. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see who it is. And God, would you give us a person each day that we pray this? Show us who that is. Please. And then, Father, I'm praying for that person who hasn't been baptized yet. They've given their life to you. They've surrendered. They have submitted. But they haven't taken this step of obedience. Jesus, I'm praying for them today. Give them the courage. Help them to stop putting all the excuses away. And they're just going to commit that next week, I'm getting baptized. That's it. So God, give them that kind of courage. We pray. We pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.